Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. If you want to get a group of portrait photographers excited, start talking about lighting, technique, posing, all the sexy gear things. If you want to have a group of photographers running away from you in the other direction, start talking about how they've priced their work and is it priced right. I don't want you to run in the other direction. So I brought my nicest, sweetest friend, Angela Kirkian, to the podcast today. She has run a successful wedding and portrait studio in Cincinnati, Ohio for many years. But she is currently Director of Education for Professional Photographers of America. And that means she's been responsible for educating thousands of photographers in her annual business challenge and also responsible for programming Imaging USA, which is PPA's annual convention. So it's safe to say that with the research that PPA has done and her experience in the trenches with photographers, she knows what's difficult for us. She knows where we get stuck. And we're going to dig into that today. Angela is encouraging and kind, but real. Anyone that knows her loves her. And I want you to feel her sunny disposition. And I want you to feel her encouragement for how you can make real change in your business. We'll discuss the real problems facing photographers, where we get stuck in valuing our work and communicating that to our clients. In other words, pricing. The big scary prospect of putting a price on what we do. But we're taking it from a little different tack this time. Not so much the nuts and bolts as much as the mind shifts that need to take place behind the scenes before we ever open a spreadsheet. Let's go. Angela, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you. And I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to have your knowledge and wisdom to guide them. Thank you, Allison. I love every conversation I have with you. So you know I'm always excited to talk about anything at all. You just are just a wealth of information. I, I normally it's the other way around. Normally I'm interviewing you. So it's a little know. weird. I love it. But this is this is I've been waiting for this for years because it's always been like you going, so Allison, and now I'm gonna be so Angela. Awesome. Love it. All right. So as the years have gone by. We've been friends for years and you owned your own studio for many years in Ohio. So you have got all of this experience of shooting a gajillion weddings, a million portraits. You've had a huge portrait studio with lots of employees. You've had less employees. And then you have all these years of being the director of education for professional photographers of America, running imaging and the education side of that. And then also having this experience of running these the business challenge for hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of photographers. And so I am so excited to have your little brain (laughs) to myself because I am going to pick it. (laughs) So I want to start with thinking of all of that. So thinking of your own experience as a photographer, and then thinking of what you've done with these students for these many years and imaging and all of this. And then also knowing about what the industry, all of that Gallup research and everything that PPA did. Mm-hmm. What do you feel? And, and maybe you can't distill it into one thing, but I would love to know globally what you feel like are the biggest challenges facing portrait photographers in our industry right now. Biggest challenge. Wow. Huh. <laughs> That's a big question. Well, yeah, it is. It's a big question. It's a real, it's a big question because um, let me just start with what I know of those that I've worked with and probably, and again, going back to my own experience, I think one of the foundation stones that is often overlooked is the value of what portrait photographers do in the world and the gift that they give people every single day. 
that they're sometimes very unaware of and don't then charge appropriately for, you know, just understanding the value, what, what you're bringing and what you're giving. I mean, it's huge. It's more than I think as an artist, we're able to comprehend until the, our clients give it back to us and help us understand what it means to them. Right. Yeah. So when you're a new photographer, especially when you're coming in and you don't have as much feedback, you mm-hmm. know, initially, uh, I think it can be really hard to put a value on your artwork. And I think that starts with when we get down to the nitty gritty of it, uh, as you're getting going, I think it's, it's about valuing your time and then valuing your craft. Mm, yes. Well, and I, I think of something that Carol Andrews said to me many mm. years ago. I love her, love her, love her. She's like the, the Texan, the big personality, yeah. the big voice. And I was kind of spinning, very new photographer, new new into the portrait. And she said to me, girl, you can't see the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> Sounds just like her. Yeah. It took me a minute to realize that it is hard to see your own value and see the value of what we do. And definitely you and I've had many talks when we've thought about platform talks and those kinds of things. It seems like we need to be reminding portrait photographers again and again of that value of what it is that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say some of it comes with time and I, and I wish I could give newer photographers a glimpse at who they'll be in five years so mm-hmm. that they can go back and not make the mistakes in year one and two, that when they get to the third or fourth or fifth year, they kind of pop themselves in the forehead and say, why, why did I not see that sooner? <laughs> okay. So what, tell me more about that. What types of mistakes are you seeing in those early years? And then I know there are mistakes in the mid and later years too. So in the early years, what, with the photographers that you've worked with for so many years, what are the common, just common mistakes? Common, yeah. Things. So I think I think initially it's understanding what goes into pricing. I think pricing is the outcome of all of the internal problems, right? Okay. So if you internally don't value what you're doing, then you don't price appropriately. <laughs> yeah. So pricing is like the outward what people can see yes. of what what it is that you're processing internally. Does and that so, make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's basically. Is the client facing value that you're placing on your work in a way? Yes. Yeah, Maybe. exactly. So, I, so I, think, I think going back... So if I could have told my earlier self, because I started learning a lot of this about my probably my sixth year in business is when it really kind of clicked for me. Yeah. And I went, oh, I actually can take my mind, like take my heart out of thinking about how to price something because there's actually an equation to do that. Like mm. I can just do the math. I can just do the math. <laughs> And I don't even have to, I don't have to justify it because it's just math. So like formulas don't don't have feelings. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I love that. (laughs) And so I I think I would say, yeah, like do the math, just do the math. Because when you do the math, so, so when we were doing the business challenge, one of the first things that we had people do, first of all, I would say the very first assignment. So uh, I'm going to go back a step for a second before I go into this next thing on on pricing and, and value is know what you want, like know what your definition of success is Mm. before you go and build something. Because I can't tell you how many people we've worked with who are going down a path that they don't even want to be going down, but they don't even know they're going down the wrong path because they haven't truly sat down and said, what is it that I want? Mm. Well, don't you think that's just like human beings in general? How many people do you know that are working in the field that they graduated, that their degree is in, right? Right. Yeah. Like we change and iterate as humans and Okay. So knowing what you want. And so what are you encouraging? Meaning everything, right? So, From lifestyle to amount of income you want. Everything. I think it needs to be qualitative and it has to be quantitative. Okay. I think you need to know, how do I want to feel when I wake up in the morning? You know, mm-hmm. what do I want to do first thing in the morning? How, what do I want my day to look like? What do mm-hmm. I want my week to look like? What do I want my month to look like? What do I want my year to look like? Mm-hmm. How often do I want to go on vacations? How much time do I have to invest in this business? Is it full-time? Is it part-time? You know, am I going to work weekends? You can't be a wedding photographer if you don't want to work weekends. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so really getting a sense because it's a commitment when you decide to go into this, it's a commitment because people start booking you, right? It's harder to make changes. I can tell you as a wedding photographer mm. for a long time, you can't decide you want to be a wedding photographer one day and then decide that you don't because... For us, we were booking a year and a half to two Mm. years in advance, you know? So you're on a long cycle of change-making if you're going in a direction you don't want to be going. So I would say get really specific about the quality of your life and what you're looking to do. And then I would get very specific on, on the quantifiable level. I'd get very specific. How much do you need to make 
is this additional income for your family? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it, is it full-time income or do you want to have employees? Do you want to be a manager? That comes with a whole different set of right. skills that you've got to develop and grow in. Do you want to have this just be your own? Do you want to be in a partnership? Is there someone who you could partner with who would actually bring skills that you don't have to mm-hmm. the situation, you know, and, and vice versa? You know, so mm-hmm. I've seen that work with photographers in, in really beautiful ways as well. How much risk do you want to take? Mm-hmm. You know, how much are you willing to invest? Are you, you know, are you a risk taker? There's a billion questions, right? There's <laughs> on how we Right. Wanna... And, and don't you think, I, I feel like that many of us get into it, like I, how I got into it was I sold my scrapbooking store and I'm like, I'm going to take six months off and just do photography for a little bit. And then I'll figure out what I'm actually going to do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, and that kind of like, you know, and here we are 16 years later, you know? <laughs> and so I think sometimes we fall into it or many that have come into the industry since digital for sure are women who have husbands that have jobs. And so that's maybe support your habit, secondary income. And while I feel like that gives you more freedom to charge in like really risky ways because you don't, you aren't risking the whole thing. I find that it's almost the opposite in how they're approaching it. You know, like they seem so, I can't charge or else I'll lose all my clients or everybody will hate me. Yeah, yeah. Have you found that? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I think, and somehow there's guilt associated with it. Um, okay. What is that, that? I need to yeah. let's explore that. Let's dig into that. I feel it, bad. I feel guilty. What is that? Well, I think, I think there's a few different levels of it. I think one of the levels is if it's a secondary income for my family, it's not necessary. I don't need the income. People know I don't need the income. So they're wondering why I'm charging them. Mm. Right. So I think there's something in that wheelhouse that we could go down uh, or the people might be saying, yep, that's me. I, I struggle with that because I don't I don't need the money. It's not for the money. So why am I doing this, right? Right, At, until it's three in the morning and your kids only see in the back of your head for a week because it's, you're... And ex- exactly. Ignoring exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but but they don't know that when they're starting. No, for right? sure. They're, they're doing this thing that they love doing and friends and family are asking them to do these things. Mm-hmm. And they're saying... Oh, sure. I'll just, you know, and they start saying yes to things that they really shouldn't be saying yes to because they don't know how to charge. They don't know how to state their value. They don't know how to, you know, if they haven't created a price list yet, because I think a lot of people get into this and they, they don't, that's not the first thing they do. They don't think, oh, the first thing I'm going to do is create a price list, you know? Right. And so they don't put a value to their work. And now they start to create these people who are seeing their work going, wow, that's really beautiful. And then they don't know how to charge for it. They don't know how to go from, I'm doing this sweet thing for my friends or my family, and now I'm going to move into this next space. And so there's this gap in their thinking mm-hmm. of, I don't know how to transition. I've been doing it like this. Well, and then now I feel guilty for charging for it because right. they don't have the language and the understanding of what goes into it until, like you said, they're up till three in the morning going, why did I ever get into this? I'm making yeah. no money and I'm doing all this work. Well, and it comes from, then it comes from a place of like hatred, <laughs> you know, yeah, like it does. then, it, then it, they wash out. So they go, I can't do this anymore because I'm cashing in my family. I just can't make, so then it becomes this all or nothing, right? Like I can't yeah. make enough money doing this. So I'm going to quit because you've seen it hundreds, hundreds, thousands yeah. of photographers. So there's the churn, right? That you, I've think, heard you talk about that. I think the other aha moment comes when they understand the time investment that it takes mm. to do this. Right. Because mm-hmm. when they first are doing it, they're doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. When you're doing something for fun, it's very different than when you're doing it to someone else's expectations. Mm. You know, as soon as somebody pays you, mm. I don't care if it's one penny, right? As soon as they pay you, they have basically said, I have a right to have an opinion now. <laughs> I, I have a right to make demands on you. Yes. I, I can tell you what I want. I can tell you what, you know, and you're supposed to live up to every expectation I have of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing we could talk about. I know, you know, maybe perhaps another time uh, is just setting expectations because I think that's, that's a huge one, but going back to understanding the time investment, you know, do this, like figuring it out. So once people in the business challenge would sit down and they would figure out, you know, this is what I want to accomplish. And this is my idea of success, right? Then they get into goal setting. But one of the first things we have them do is a sales and sessions projection. And what a sales and session projection does is it takes how much you want to make a year annually, what types of photography you want to be photographing. So say you want to photograph 
high school seniors and just portraits. We'll just say portraits, family, general portraits and high school seniors because they are mm-hmm. fairly different yes. in some ways. So it would take that and it would say, okay, you and it would reverse engineer. So if you wanted to make $60,000 a year, it would reverse engineer that using PPA's benchmarks for mm-hmm. cost of sales and for general expenses. And it would help you understand how many sessions at what sales average you need in order to make that find that number to bring home that number mm-hmm. again using those benchmarks. So what that does is it, it makes people go, oh my gosh, wait, I either have to charge a lot more for what I'm doing or mm-hmm. I have to photograph a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, oh wait, there's not a million hours in the week. Right. It's not even possible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, while my husband does have an income and I don't need this money, I really don't want to be shooting 1,000 sessions a year for a hundred dollars <laughs> each. <laughs> To make a hundred thousand dollars, like exactly, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, huge aha moment, yeah, huge aha moment. People are, at that point is in the business challenge <laughs> was when people were like, "I'm not even sure that I should be in this business," right? And we would we would actually, you know, it, in conversation, I believe part of the conversation I would have with people one on one would be, "Is this truly something you want to do?" Mm-hmm. Because that in and of itself is a decision on what is your definition of success. Mm-hmm. because they they realize it's more than they originally thought. You know, we think, oh, it's photography and it's fun and it's... Photography is very romanticized, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're a photographer. Like, it just sounds fancy. Yes. <laughs> or like, yes. like you have this romantic life, you know? Yes, we're all Annie Leibovitz um, on our yacht, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. With our assistants setting up the set while we just swan in and press the button a few times and walk out, uh, turning off the yes. Beyonce fan as we go. Yeah. Is that not how you work, Allison? I know. Well, it's very close, but (laughs) trying to get there. I love it. I've actually, for those of you listening, I've actually had a session with Allison and it was the most amazing, wonderful experience. And I look at my beautiful portraits on my wall every day and they just make my heart so happy. All right. So anyway. So they have the, like the gut clench moment, I guess is what I would call it and realize like, okay, because really you do kind of, we're like the frogs in the water. We kind of get, well, the t- temperature get tur- gets turned up. And then we realize like, I, I didn't necessarily know that I wanted a business, but now I have one. Is it the business that I want? And now actually you realize, okay, I didn't think it was about the money, but I kind of would like my kids to go to a better college or I do have weddings coming up or I do have, I would like to travel or whatever, like put a dollar amount on something yeah. that you would like to have. And that we all only have so much time on this earth And if we're spending it not with the people that we love doing the things that we love, and we're spending it with people that we haven't charged enough. And so I saw this meme the Mm -hmm. other day. I've got to send it to you, but I got to see if I can say this right. But it says $500 client, quote, I need us both to understand the level of investment that I have made here. And we're all going to like give our souls to this project. And then it says $50,000 client checks in the mail. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so true. So it's this little, we've like, after a while, you're kind of working for scraps because, and everybody's running you through the ringer and you realize, do I want to do this anymore? And so, and I've been in clubhouse rooms. I've been in conversations with photographers where there seems to be this two camps. Okay. So I'd love for to talk about this with you a little bit is that um, there are people that say, well, you should just get to where you're making a certain amount of like money that you can count on, like a, a lower amount of money that you can just count on. Or do you just want to chase the big sales every now and then? And so I'm like, well, can't you do both? Like, can't you have where you have a higher sale regularly? <laughs> like, do we have to have two? Do you know what I mean? Like there is this yes. kind of um, reverse... It's not reverse snobbery, but kind of like, oh, well, those people that talk about high averages or blah, 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 they're just like, it's not a real thing. Like nobody, there is this kind of thought out there that like, nobody's going to pay for photography anymore because everybody's just giving away digital files. So why are we even trying? Yeah. Yes. That thought is absolutely out there. And I think it's, I think that there are people that will always be in that churn, which is going back to what you were saying earlier there's always a churn. There's always people coming in and out of the industry, right? Mm. And they're getting burned out. You know why they're getting burned out? They're getting burned out because they're not charging appropriately because right. they're, they're, they're not enough, right? And mm-hmm. so I'll go back to what we did in the, in the challenge because I think it, it leads into this as well. So when people would look at this, their sales and sessions projections, they would have that aha moment where they're like, oh, I have to raise my prices, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we would talk to them about creating, they would create an a la carte pricing, which was just fundamental math. It was just do the math 
And using PPA's benchmarks, you would look at your cost of sales, you would add your time, and then you would determine how much do I want to make an hour based on what it is I want to make, you know, in in a year, Mm -hmm. right? And figuring that out. And then they're multiplying all of this by four. Okay. So 25% is the highest cost of sales that PPA recommends you having. And that just gives them fundamentally, this is the lowest price you can charge for this product. Yes. <laughs> right. So that they understand, wow, that's a lot more than I can charge. Like a lot of people, that, that's where people got, they got very anxious when we got to that place. They're like, wait, what? I have to charge what? I have to right. say what out loud? How am okay. I going to do that? So I'm going to stop you there because really quickly, I just want to break that down just a teeny bit for somebody that's mm-hmm. listening that is like pulling their car over to the road because they want to go. I don't even understand what they're saying. So so when you're saying a 25% cost of sale, and really it should, minimum should be 20 in my mind is that you're you're basically saying if you're factoring in your time and the cost and all of those things say it's a $100 product it shouldn't cost you more than $25. Correct. And that's including, including your time. time. Yes, yeah. including so your time. So that product honestly there's very going to be very little things that are going to be that, right? So $30 an hour is about $60,000 a year. Okay. So mm-hmm. 2080 hours in a typical work week work, you know, full-time work week is about 2080 hours a week. So, you know, you're looking at $30 an hour. Here's the thing. Beth Forrester said that to the this once when she was teaching a class and I thought it was like, it was that moment where you're like, that's exactly how to say this to get this across. She said, if you got hit by a bus and you couldn't use your arms or your legs and you had 20 jobs in front of you, you would have to hire someone, mm-hmm. bring them in and pay them a good wage, right? A livable yeah. wage, not what you pay yourself, <laughs> right. right? So you have to pay them to do the job that you were going to do. So you have to price yourself as if you don't exist and you have to pay someone to do that job. Right. And you and I've had this conversation many times. It's like, we forget that if you're in business, you have to pay yourself a wage and then you need, yep. then there needs to be enough money to support the business so that you're supporting two things. It's not just, oh, I need yourself. to just fund myself. It's like, mm-hmm. I need to fund myself, but also my business because I've got to replace my equipment. I've got that, oh, that iMac is not going to live forever. That camera is not going to live forever. Yeah. So you you have two, and then maybe I need an employee or whatever. So there are two things, but for some reason, and I think this is true of graphic designers, maybe interior designers as well, somehow in the creatives, we just kind of like to keep it like, oh, I don't need to pay for that. I don't need to charge for that. So we just keep it where we're, I don't know. You might say, some people would say, well, maybe you're keeping it lean, but it's not even realistic. Mm-mm, it's not. Yeah. And, and this has happened. I mean, this has happened to photographers through the course, I, a lot of friendships that I've had over the past 30 years where a photographer will get hospitalized or they'll get sick and they'll mm-hmm. have to call people in to help them finish a job. Well, it's one thing to bring, you know, to, to ask for help, right? And, and mm-hmm. photographers are an amazing group of people and they're always willing to come in and help and support. But, but that only goes so far if it was something more long-term, you would need to hire someone to come in to help you. So like being very mindful of the fact that this is a business and it needs to be profitable. It needs to be run like a business is I think just a shift. That's just a shift in thinking. Okay. Right? I love that. Yeah. So pricing appropriately. So biggest, setting up for that higher yeah. sale. And that's kind of where I wanted to lead into was going yeah. back, you know, kind of circling back to what you were saying about just setting it up for that. Once you figure out your aha moment and you start realizing the value of your work, one, I think it going through the math, taking your heart out of this, taking your guilt, take whatever emotional piece you're feeling, take it completely out, do the math, figure out what your minimum a la carte pricing can be, right? Mm Because that's just one, you know, there's so many ways to price profitably. That's Um, just like to be in business. It needs to be just to be in business. Fair minimum. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like, yeah. And not not an expensive hobby. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's where the shift happens. Like that's where you start thinking, oh, okay. So I need to think smart about this. I need to actually, what else can I do? What else can I do to increase the experience for my customer? I mean, there's, we could talk for days about customer journeys. You know, what journey are you taking them through to increase the value of what you're giving to them? Right. So once you kind of putting all these pieces together, I think creating opportunities for people to spend their money with you for something that they value highly. <laughs> yes. And I, I do believe that people value things more the more they pay for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely setting yourself up for those higher sales. I think it is something that comes with a little bit more experience because I think there's fear in moving mm-hmm. up that ladder. But I would say, listen to podcasts like ATJs and <laughs> get over that fear real quick. 
because once you can start getting to those places, build your confidence, the way that you talk to people, build your client journey, the experience that they can only get with you, right? Because selling Mm -hmm. a digital file, anybody can sell a digital file. Sure. Not everybody can have an experience like the one that you would have, you know, coming to, I've been photographed by you, by Tim Walden, other photographers, Mm -hmm. those experiences I've paid for because I wanted the experience of it, right? It's beautiful artwork. I love having that on my wall, but I didn't come to you guys for digital files, right? Even as a photographer, I didn't come to you as a digital file. You know, I, I came to you because I'm like, I wanted my family to have what I knew you were going to bring to that session right? The, ty- yeah. the kind of energy that you were going to bring to that session. You were going to draw something out of them that I couldn't or other photographers couldn't mm. because well, my kids yeah, are kind of shy and you're a really yeah. big personality, right? <laughs> and so it was, you were the perfect for person for them. My point is, is that every artist is going to elicit something different from their, their clients. Yes. And that is what makes you as an artist valuable. I love that. Well, exactly. And because we can't see the label because we're inside the bottle. And so mm-hmm. what I see in this like most recent class that I've been running with these amazing students, what I'm seeing is that beautiful work, gorgeous, great, amazing experience, over the top service. Like these women are going to like slay themselves on an altar for their clients. Like they're just doing amazing work. Yeah. And yet the only piece that's missing is that price is not mm-hmm. enough to sustain them. And so it, it hurts my heart because I think they're not seeing the true value of what it is that they're creating for that client. Some of they're starting to, they're starting to, but it's sometimes we think, well, they're not, we can't charge enough because our work isn't good enough. Like whatever that means, right? Our work isn't good enough. So there does need to be a base level of competency. Like you have to absolutely to, yeah. Yeah, have good work. But good is very subjective, right? Absolutely. I was just going to say that. So there's yeah, not perfection. I mean, because... It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be Annie Leibovitz or like people can spin in that mode too. Like yeah. unless I win a triple diamond, I don't even know what the awards are, but you know, unless I'm, <laughs> yes. you know, double platinum and triple diamond with a cherry on top, I can't possibly charge more. <laughs> That's funny and true. I think on the other side of that, I have seen people charge a lot for very simple work for very average work. Mm-hmm. And right. so, so yeah. So I think sometimes it's about just getting out there and sometimes you feel better when you <laughs> see other people's things. Um, no, for yeah. sure. But it, but it's, it is, it's like what you're saying is when you think of, if you're hiring Tim Walden, you know, I've seen those images that he did of your family yeah. and yeah, you immediately know who that is. Yes, you know, absolutely. who shot that. And that, mm-hmm. that is Tim Walden's interpretation of your family. And then mine would be different. And then another photographer would be different yet again. And you would be, you you know, you shooting my family would be different yet again. So I think that's sometimes that we don't work comparing things that we shouldn't be comparing. Right. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I'm going to just, something on my mind is, I kind of want to just share this really quick before I lose it. People will spend their money somewhere. Yeah. Like that, I mean, when when I was, I actually, I think I was visiting you when we were shooting some EDU content and you, we were talking about your sister, right? And, and, and the conversation we had about her interior design mm-hmm. and talking about the prices and some of the things that people would spend on things that I would never, I could not wrap my head around. I just truly could not imagine that. But once I let that start sinking in, I was like, wow, like what I'm giving to people is so much more personal. It's so much more custom. It's so, there's so much more invested into it than a rug or something, you know, something yeah. of, of that thing. And she's able to get the, these big dots. Like people will spend their money. Like I had yes. that moment where I'm like, people will spend their money. Y'all go look at a, a veranda magazine or go look yeah. at any interior design magazine. People are spending $400 on a fork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on a rug, you know, yes. Yeah. Yes. or, it's you know, $20,000 on a, on a sofa. And that's not even like the highest end, you know? So right. And that's right. stuff that's going to be, I mean, a rug, you know, if it's antique, it will be go through generations, but some of this stuff is not going to have, because it'll be out of date or whatever, it's not going to have the value. Whereas what we do only increases in value over time. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like if people could just get their head around that, and you guys have heard this, I know everybody hears this over and over again, but I would truly wish people could internalize this. Don't sell from your own pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you wouldn't spend that money on whatever it is that you're offering doesn't mean that other people won't value it. 
they can't do what you do. Right. <laughs> you don't have the value for it because you're like, you well, can do I it. can do that. I can yeah. do that. I can make that. But they don't. They don't have the capacity to see the way that you do. They don't have the capacity to create what you create. And they don't have the capacity to give their family the experience and the attention and the witnessing of who they are as a family that you as an outsider have the potential to do. And that is the gift that you give people is you are a witness to their lives and you show them, you reflect to them what it is that they're wanting to see. I love that. That's so true. And I think the one of the biggest mistakes that we make, especially early on when we're pricing our work, or maybe even not early on, maybe we've just fallen into bad habits or we're needing to raise prices or whatever, is that we get into this mindset that it is only about price. So we have we put on our glasses of like people only care about price. Mm. And so then what happens is that we're marketing only on price. So we're everything that we put out there is like, well, this is a deal and this is an add-on and this is a this is how you can make it cheaper. And you know, everybody's worried about like how I can make it cheaper for our clients. And it's like, well, how can you just make it better? Because what I found is that when you're cheaper and you're working all those hours and you're killing yourself, what's actually happening is you are draining and killing that creativity. You're actually taking the golden goose and you're strangling it to death (laughs) because your golden goose is your creativity, right? It's your ability, just exactly what you're saying is that ability to to be present with your client and see those little moments and see what makes them unique. But if you're like, what the hell? These people are only paying me a hundred bucks for like 50, you know, for 40 files. And I'm going to have to be up like, like we're going to get this done and we're going to get in it. Then you start looking for ways to cut corners and you're not wanting to go the extra mile because in your mind there, you know, what do they expect for X number of dollars? But you're the one that set the price. Right. Yeah. So then yeah, that's we, all on you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so we're in this adversarial relationship with the person that's paying us. And it just seems silly rather than like, And with these students that I'm in right now, they're like, okay, well, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I give this? What if I make this cheaper? Whatever. I'm like, quit trying to save your clients money and try to make something amazing that they never even knew that they wanted. Right. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is people don't know what to say, Mm -hmm. right? They, They don't know what to say. And so because photographers... Have you ever noticed that a lot of nurses become photographers? I used to find that a lot in in my friendships. And what I think that is, is that we're artists, we're caretakers. Mm -hmm. We love the world. The reason we love what we do is because we love showing people the best sides of themselves, Mm. right? So we love to connect. We love the feedback that we get when we have touched someone's heart, Mm -hmm. right? And when you start talking about money, it shifts to the other side of the brain. And all of a sudden, we're so uncomfortable in that space Mm. that we're like, wait, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? Oh, I'll just give you some free stuff. Now it's better, right? It's better. We're better. Okay, now we're better. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because we get nervous. We don't know what to do. What do we say? And I think you have to practice this stuff. I think you have to feel confident Mm -hmm. in the things that you're saying. And it's not about good or bad. It's not about nice or unkind. It's about knowing the value of the gift that you're giving them and then letting them spend their money with you. Right. And that's, I like to say, it's like, it's just an exchange of value. So if we take the word money out of it, it's just that I'm providing my value in exchange for your value. You can't do the value that I can do, you know, because you're in the family. So you're just going to exchange your value, which might happen to be money. And my value is giving you this amazing experience and having you see your family in a way, you know, and then art for your home. So if we think about it that way, I think it makes it a teeny bit more palatable. If we just, I'm going to exchange my value for your value. So how do you say that? I'm curious, like in that whole, I feel like language is like a whole, again, big long thing. Like how do we say the things that we want to say in a way that feels honest to ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And Exactly. I think that's a big one, right? Is because how I'm going to say it is going to be different than how you would Mm -hmm. say it for sure. Yeah. I think to me, I think it's the mind shift of what's in your head versus the actual words. And so, so much of the sales training, right, is like overcoming objections. And then you say this and you say, feel felt found. And you have like, there's all these tricks which work and they're great. But like, if I don't have the core belief in my brain, Mm, yeah, my soul, it's hard for me to roll forward with that. So when I was recently, like maybe in the last year, I was training an employee and she was having a really hard time quoting price over the phone. And I said, okay, this is what happened. Somebody called. And she kind of like got him off the phone really quick. And I said, well, what was that about? And she's like, oh, I could tell that they didn't. Like this was not a qualified client. And I'm like, well, how would you know that? 
And she's like, well, I could, she found us on Google. She'd walked by whatever, you know, whatever the thing was. And I'm like, okay, this is what I need you to think about. I want us to imagine that every single person that calls on the phone or that comes by drove up in a Brinks truck full of cash. And they've got three guys in the back (laughs) with dollies that are going to roll those bricks of cash in here that want to spend money with us. And so our goal is just to be excited and like, oh my gosh, look at what we could do. We could do this. We could do this. This would be a great use of your money. This is what we do that's so great that we could exchange for your value that you guys are bringing in here with those three guys with the dollies of cash. And this is what we could make happen for you. And wouldn't this be amazing? And then what else? And then what else? Until they say, okay, the Brinks truck is empty. So that way, if we have that in our mind, we're treating everybody the same. So we don't care if they have an accent. We don't care what kind of car they drove up in. We treat everybody as though they can afford and want what we do. And we just tell them all the things and how excited we are about what it is that we do until they shut us down and say, okay, that's enough or no, I can't or whatever. And then what I found is that when I come from that place of like excited, I want to help you. Here's all the great things I can do. And it's only this much, then they go away. And if they aren't my clients, so like, let's just say that right now they can't afford it. It's not in the cards. They will send me a text and say, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I'm so excited. I understand now what you do when we're ready to do wall art, then I know who to go to. I'm going to go have my neighbor shoot my holiday cards or my Facebook pictures or whatever. So then they understand. So it's really, I think that's a better place for us to come from rather than this kind of like scared in a little hole, like, okay, okay, it's a hundred dollars. Don't hit me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel like the other piece of that, that is also that I think you, I just want to point this out is yes. that you understand what you do. Like you're very yes. clear about what you do. Because I think another hiccup happens when people are not clear about what they do. And then they try to, you know, assert and then there's questions being asked by the customer. And now they're trying, now they feel like they wiggle around a little bit. And then they're all of a sudden doing things that are off their path or off what it is that they actually are focused on. So like what? Um, Give me an example of that. I can remember as, you know, early on, I do things a certain way and then you kind of tell them, but I didn't have a system and process in place, Mm -hmm. right? So you have a very, I know your system, you have a very awesome, like, this is exactly how things go. This is the system and process. And this is the customer journey. And this is what we're going to take them through. And people would come in and then I would say the things, right? And (laughs) we'd have this conversation and then they would be like, well, can you do this? And can you do this? And then all of a sudden they're taking me on a journey. (laughs) Sure. And I get yeah. stuck going down their journey. Because you don't want to say instead no. Of, right. Because you don't want to say no. Yeah. Right. And so being very clear and understanding what it is that you do, I think is really important to keep you in that space of excitement and enthusiasm and stating it and being clear and then letting them decide if you're the right person for them. Like, I think that's huge. And I do think you, you and I have talked about this before that people do come back. They do save their money Mm -hmm. when they're ready to come back to you because now you're something that they're looking forward to doing. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're now an investment. You're now the, they want you more almost, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, because they understand what it is that you do because people come and some people get so mad, like, man, you look at those Facebook groups, right? And that people are like, this person called today and they asked if I did this and, you know, not my client or they get so angry (laughs) and you're like, okay, but they're just asking. It doesn't mean you have to do it just because they said, you know, can you shoot my bridles on the top of a mountain? And your yes. whole entire website is studio photography. Doesn't mean you have to go shoot a bridal on top of a mountain. You know? Yeah, that was that was exactly what I was talking about earlier. Like getting totally off. Like all of a sudden you're trying to make people happy, mm-hmm. doing things that are not your things. Yeah, core competency. <laughs> and you're all over the board. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's true though because you. I mean, we. I think I've done that for sure. I mean, I swore I'd never shoot weddings. And then I had somebody that was like, please, 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 please. And then, you know, fast forward four years and I'm standing in a reception going uh, like Scarlett O'Hara with her potato in the field. Like as God is my witness, I'm never doing another wedding. again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness Mormons like get married in like six weeks instead of like, you know, a year and a half. So I shut that down immediately. Wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I do think portrait photography attracts, I think a lot of women, but also really nice men. So we Mm -hmm. people lovers and want to accommodate people. And so it's, I feel like I'm always on that razor's edge of like spoiling my clients, but also I want them to feel spoiled, but I also want them to feel really lucky that they got a spot. Like I want them to feel those two Mm -hmm. things simultaneously. Yeah. So that there is a process by which, and you know, you talk about that process, but that's your process same, right? Hard one. Yeah. 
Right. Hard one. Not like we, we emerged out of the womb with a fully, you know, fully functioning sales process. It's like, no, we got beat up a million times by people that we allowed to beat us up. It wasn't the client's fault. Right. It wasn't. Nope. No. <laughs> I think, I think you have to constantly evolve, you know, and figuring out what's working for me, what's not working for me. Every conversation, what worked? How do I repeat that piece? Mm-hmm. How do I evolve the other pieces? How do I not ever go down that road again? <laughs> yes, you know. And I think some of it is is a little bit just experience and having to do it. Like you just got to get through some of those first early. Like everybody has a beginning, right? You just have right. to get through those those first things. But I think the more work you do on the foundation and understanding why it is that you're charging what you're charging. You know, it gives you confidence to have those conversations. You said something earlier and I, I thought this too, because I this is a word I use a lot and I think you do as well, the word typical, you mm-hmm. know? So when we're talking to customers and we're explaining what we do, we use the word typical a lot where mm-hmm. we're like, well, typically what a client would do is X, Y, Z because of the whole Jones theory, right? So it's, mm-hmm. oh, this is what everybody else does. So this mm-hmm. is what I do too. And it's it's a soft way of just saying, this is normal. Like this yeah. is normal. This is normal. This is normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, People do so, this. Yeah. Yeah. And so... So then they can, you know, as Seth Godin said, how does he say it? Um, people like this do things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so it just helps them to put themselves, I think, into that space as you're sharing your process, your pricing, all of those things, and then giving them time to let them absorb it. I think that's the other thing. We always look for people to give us, like we're watching their expression, every micro expression mm-hmm. to see like, how are they responding to this? Are they mad? Are they okay? Are they going to come back? Are they going to say no? You know, I, I feel yeah. like our fear gets mirrored in them sometimes, for you know? sure. And so just like, let it be normal. Let what you're doing be normal. It's what everybody does let them have their own emotions. Don't give into that. And then let it sink in, you know, let it, let, let them go home and rationalize how they're going to spend their money and make their own decision. Don't make it for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that you hit on something really important there because what we're doing when we don't sell is we're trying to not make their decision for them. That's what we think we're doing. I don't want to make their decision for them. I don't want to spend their money, but you actually are doing exactly that. By mm-hmm. cutting them off and not offering them all the value that you have, all the things that you could do for them. I mean, how many times have you sat with a client and started to get nervous because they were spending and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, well, probably they can't afford this because they're young parents and maybe I should just cut this down. And you know, I, it's like, right. okay, not my business. And you don't know what's in their bank account and, and they want to have this thing, like guide them in a way that is true and full of integrity, but you're actually by cutting it off, by not showing them all the great things that you can do, you actually are spending their money for them. You're shutting it down. Right. You're not, and you're not giving them all the opportunities. Yeah. Because the other part is you, you never know who's actually paying for it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? right. I found with a lot of mine that they had parents who were paying for things. They had friends who were gifting them things. Sure. I mean, you just never know. So it's, I think yeah. just keeping it open is... Well, is and have good. you ever been in that situation where like, I love to be sold to. I love that process. I love a really good salesperson, not smarmy, not cheesy, mm-hmm. but I yeah. love somebody that knows their product and knows the value that it's going to bring to my life. Like, tell me all the things, bring them all out here and let me look at them. Tell me the value. <laughs> tell me, like, I want to know all of it. I want to know all of it. And then I'm going to yeah. say... I want that. I want that. I want that. And then, but have you had somebody shut you down? Like, well, you know, you probably don't need that. Maybe I do. Why are you telling me I don't need it? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me that you think I don't need that? (laughs) You don't think I can afford that? You know, or like, what do you mean? Like, maybe I do need that extra injection of Botox or whatever, you know, whatever (laughs) the thing is that you don't tell me, like it's the Chipotle 250 guacamole situation, right? Well, you know, guacamole is 250 extra. I mean, they act like they're like, you know, I'm gonna have to slaughter your baby. You know, it's like, no, just don't even talk to me that the guacamole is extra. Just make it on the salad and stop talking about how it's extra. Like with your inner angst about the extra guacamole. But you know, they've been- Because you know, they've had so many people complain about not being told that now they feel like they have to tell you. Yes, no, I know. It's (laughs) no, for sure. It's not their fault, but it's just, but you know, like I don't like- No, but I get it, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are people that want, they want, and it's not sold in that like, well, if you buy this, I'll give you an extra blah, blah, blah. Not that. It's just like, we're excited because look at like, I could create a 40 by 60 for over your fireplace of your kids, like laughing together. And then every time you walk in that room, like you have this piece of art, it's amazing. Everybody comments on it. It makes your family feel close. Even when you hate each other and your kids are being grounded as they're walking (laughs) to their room and they walk by the gallery. I tell this to my clients. I want you to have a gallery on the wall so that when you ground your children and they're walking to their bedroom, they look at the wall and it says two things. You're loved, you're valued. And it ain't all about you. So get in your room and straighten up because there's more people in this family than just you. Like there's multiple things happening here. Allison, I love you. <laughs> but really, you know, so, but you would say it in a different way. You would say much more loving things, you know, because you don't, you don't, you don't have as many kids as I do, but, and you're a nicer person, but really that's selling, you know, that it's, it is. it's just, it is. what is the, what is my value? How can I best serve and bring my talents to the fore to help you. And then you, we are just going to exchange the value and you'll decide, they'll decide how much they value that, how much they want to pay. Yeah. And your value is so much more than a piece of paper, you know, or a piece of canvas. And so we, we can't sell as if that's what we're selling because we're not selling a piece of paper or a canvas, you know, it's, yeah, it's that experience. It's the fact that they get to sit in your office or wherever you're talking with them and they get to hear everything is infused into that portrait. I mean, I walk by my portraits every day because they're just in my living room, right outside of my bedroom. And when I look at those, it is absolutely infused with your humor and your sincerity because we had some things going on at that time that you were very just amazing with. And all of that is infused in that. Early on, one of my mentors said to me, they said, you know, Angela, you can't separate the experience from the image. So make sure your clients always have an amazing, amazing experience because that's what they're going to remember. Yeah, they want to look good, but Mm -hmm. they're going to remember how they felt. They're going to remember how they felt when they were there with you. And that again, goes back to, you're the only one who can create that. You know, as an artist, you're the only person who could give them that experience that is unique to you. So just listening to you talk about all of that just reminds me of, yeah, like valuing who you are and that it's so much more than just what it is you're actually giving them, right? You're giving them yes. more than, than that. Well, and I, I think then it becomes more fun. Business becomes more fun. It's less about, you know, this, oh my gosh, I've got to fix my pricing and all that. It's more about, you can just lean into spoiling them and making it great and making it amazing. Yeah, um, but you can only spoil them if you're charging appropriately. <laughs> No, uh, for sure. You can't spoil them if they're not charging enough. <laughs> no. Well, or you can, and then you're basically just taking money from your clients and giving it to your vendors and there's nothing left for you. You know, you're, something's got to give and you're the one that usually the photographer is the one that's giving. Okay. So I, I know that we're close on time here, but I just wanted to ask you on the way out here, and you may or may not have an answer for this, but seeing all these photographers, you've had amazing mentors. You've had interactions with the best of the best in this industry and also new beginners. And what do you feel like, is there a set of common traits that make for successful portrait photographers in this business, whether they're seasoned, whether they're brand new, is there anything that's like a common set of traits or a single trait or anything that you see as like a common denominator that bodes success? Yeah, I would say, I would say those that I know that are most successful are the ones who really know themselves. Like they know why they're doing what they're doing. There's purpose, there's intention, they're learners they're always learners. So every single one I can think of off the top of my head loves to read, loves to learn, loves to share information because I mm. think we learn better when we when we learn to share it, right? Oh my gosh, so true. And they're givers. Like they're truly mm. givers, you know, within the industry, which isn't like this hard and fast. I, I don't know if you're asking for like a hard and fast. No, I know, love that. Thing, I think that those I, are I would not have thought of there were a couple of traits there that I would not have thought of, but that is so true because if you give, it's constantly flowing through you. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than you're holding on to it. Yeah. And and that. evolving. Yeah. I just yes. I I just and I love the learning aspect. I just I really do think that um yeah, those that was that's fantastic. Okay. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of um reading, tell me, do you have any good book recommendations? Cause you know, we always like to exchange <laughs> those kinds of things. So anything yeah. amazing so, and great. Yes, but not along what lines you're going to think of. So I have been watching that documentary, Finding Florette. 
which is on the Discovery. It's also on Magnolia, the Magnolia mm-hmm. channel. So, okay. and it's just a four-part series about uh, a woman, her name's Erin in Washington, who has a flower farm and she is evolving this flower farm. And I will, uh, you guys go watch it. It's amazing. I um, love that. I love watching it because watching her build it, it's a business. And Mm -hmm. so you're watching her build this flower farm as a business. And she's so passionate about growing flowers as photographers are passionate about photographing, right? Yeah. And so there's so many similarities in what she's doing and what we do and the mindset and how she... I love learning how people think. Yeah. And so watching her decision, making decisions, you know, as she's evolving this, at one point she had an opportunity to really grow one area of her business and just go all in and make it huge. And it would have done incredibly well because of her placement within that market. And ultimately what you find out is she decides to not do that portion of her business because it goes against her idea of success what she Mm. originally had planned. And in fact, she ended up giving away all of that product for free. Mm. And so she took what could have been this huge business, huge moneymaker. And in order to stay true to who she is and what she's doing, what their original plan was, she ended up giving it all away. So in that, I bought three of her books because, you know, now I'm all, I, I love gardening. And so now I'm reading Floret Farms, A Year in Flowers. And I've got them here in front of me and uh, cut flower garden. And then one, which is all about dahlias. And it's just, again, it just goes to mindset. Like when you're learning, it doesn't have to be about photography. It doesn't have to be about, in fact, I would say go outside of the photography For industry sure. to learn stuff. You'll be just way inspired to look at what people are doing and then find ways to nuance it for what it is that you get to do every day, you know, in building your own business. But that's what I'm reading right now because I'm just so inspired by, you know, someone living their passion and then finding ways to do it authentically. Well, and I didn't know that you were a gardener. So but that makes perfect sense to me because I feel like that your smile is pure sunshine. Your personality is pure sunshine and you have nurtured and cared for so many photographers and, and so many friends, which I'm so grateful to count myself among that, that in my own life, you have provided sunshine and nourishment for me at times when I've doubted myself or felt like I couldn't do it. And so I, I think that the anybody that has had a chance to learn from you through PPA or imaging that don't even realize how many lives you've touched. And I just want you to know how much I love you and appreciate all, all that you've brought to my life. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Allison, thank you. You're going to make me cry and not be able to talk anymore. <laughs> it's true though. It's so true. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for just, just everything. (laughs) I appreciate you you more than you know, more than you can imagine. Thank you. You can find more great resources from Allison at do the rework.com and on Instagram at do dot the dot rework.